Hey, everybody, and welcome into the New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast. Gunstock Mountain Resort is now open for the winter season. Enjoy top to bottom skiing and riding, and remember to take a moment to stop and take in that iconic view from the summit. One of, one of our 10 best we chose last month in New England Ski Magazine. Check out our tubing hill for thrills and laughs and night sessions with the most lit terrain in New England for all you night owls. Book your lift tickets, rentals, and tubing online in advance. Check out our upcoming events at gunstock.com. Embrace the chill this winter at Gunstock. And discover what you've been missing when you visit Burke Mountain, the last little corner of Vermont. Located only seven miles off Interstate 91, the slopes are closer than you think. Take advantage of their incredible midweek deals like $45 Monday through Friday lift tickets or Wicked Wednesdays where three people can ski or ride for the price of one. That's right. You and two of your friends can ski and ride for just 15 bucks a piece every Wednesday, non-holiday. Incredible. To learn more, book your overnight stay at the Ski In, Ski Out Burke Mountain Hotel or purchase lift tickets, visit SkiBurke.com. I'm New England Ski Journal editor, Eric Wilbur, along with my co-host, Mike Specian. Mike, how are you doing? Eric, I'm doing fantastic. I've actually been on the hill quite a bit lately. Have you now? I've heard about a little bit about your travels. It's about, what, 900 miles in the last couple of weeks? Or? Oh, yeah. It's been a lot of seat time in the vehicle as I travel New England and visit. But every day, I've made it a pact with myself that I'm going to at least get five runs in wherever I am. It's been some really good skiing. Some people stop at Burger King. Some people stop at a ski area. It's just a little pit stop along the way. Exactly. That's why I keep granola in my vehicle just so <laughs> I don't waste time at a restaurant. I This is a side topic. You mentioned granola because my 12-year-old son, kids are like the chewy granola bars, right? They're just always about the chewy, chewy, chewy. They never want the Nature Valley. But my 12-year-old son has now dove into my stash of Nature Valleys, and I'm very proud because it means that they're branching out a little bit out there. But regardless, let's talk about some of the places you visited last week. Well, over the last couple weeks, I had some great turns at Sugarbush. The train was in great shape. Mm -hmm. I took a friend into Slidebrook. The top was really good in the woods. The bottom was a little bit suspect. It was his first time in there, so it was an adventure. I skied a couple hours at Smuggler's Notch. Oh, brings back a lot of memories up there. But riding a slow double that was built in 1963 on some of the best terrain in New England, I'll tell you what, amazing to say the least. I've skied out of Dartmouth Skiway for a couple hours one day. Was that your first time there? No, I've skied Dartmouth a few times. Okay. I actually saw their new GM who we had on this show just a few weeks ago. Sat and talked to him for a little bit. Skied out of Pat's Peak. Oh my goodness, Pat's Peak and the amount of snow they make is amazing. Mm -hmm. The skiing was outstanding all the way around. And for the first time in my history, I've passed it a zillion times. I skied well back. Wow, there we go. And what was that like? Wellback is a place I've passed many, 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 many times and have never skied. And I think I'm not alone in that regard. Yeah, Wellback, normally the music's on or you're on the phone or your kids are talking in, in the back seat as you're flying by it at 75 miles an hour going, wow, that looks great. That looks steep. That looks amazing. Well, ski it to believe it because that's their logo and it is real. The snow was unbelievable. Really? Yeah. The steeps weren't open. I should say the real steeps because there's some pitches there that are unbelievable. 
But the train that was open was spring skiing. I had never been in the lodge. I walked in the lodge. It was a throwback. Uh, There was a DJ setting up. It was everything that I could have ever imagined in a community ski area. That's excellent. It has had some some kind of past, right? This is a place that freestyler Evan Evan Divbig, am I saying that right? Divbig? Yes, I believe that is correct. Former freestyle skier for the US ski team. He purchased the mountain and he wanted to use the ski area to diversify his offerings in the freestyle sports market. It didn't quite work. And then it's about 10 years ago when a group formed in New Hampshire to revive this place and to truly turn it into a community ski hill. And I got to tell you, this is probably like one of the master plans that small community ski hills should use in regards to long-term growth and being so important for that place in, in the community. Yeah, you know what? He did a wonderful job. It's very difficult without the full community behind these hills to make it work. These smaller hills, Whaleback's not a small hill. There's 700 vertical there. Hmm. So it's it's there. But a lot of these smaller hills with rope toes, the Linden out, Outing Clubs, the Eastern Slopes, the Abernakis, the Sport Trails of Escutney, the old Escutney ski area, which was real, or even people have started their own. If Do you remember over in Bethel, Vermont, over in the Rochester area where somebody started up their own little rope toe? Yeah, sure. Those things, it's just... It's community skiing at its best. Well, I mean, for anyone who's never visited lost ski areas of New England, it's an eye-opening trip through history because you look and you see just all the defunct areas in, well, it's in New Hampshire alone. The current New Hampshire lost kind of on New England lost ski area project is 170. Now, I'm not sure if that's 171 right now because Tenney Mountain did reopen this, this past month. So... That's one that has risen from the dead. But Whaleback was one that was on this list. So was another place that is in New Hampshire too, Abenaki. What do you know about that? What do you know about Abenaki? Abenaki goes way, way back. I believe it started in the 30s or 30s, I believe, right? 37 or so, 40. But it goes way back and scattered all across New England. There were rope toes and community ski hills. In my hometown of Windham, we had Landry's in Derry. Derry had a couple. And all of those ski hills were where the local kids went during the winter to play. Now you go to the baseball, you go to the baseball field in the summer, but you went to the ski hill in the winter. Abernaki is one of those that survived and became part of the town of Wolfboro. Yeah, it's a great story. And yes, trails Cut first in 1936. The rope toe and the lodge were built in 1940. Abenaki is the oldest small ski area in America, as well as one of the 10 oldest ski areas in the country overall. Truly remarkable. And the price is right. This is right from their website. We're proud to offer weekday lift tickets for, if you're a resident of Wolfboro, all of $8. Eight. I think I spent more on that cup of coffee right there. And $20 for friends from out of town. So if you're from Massachusetts, Vermont, Maine, Go to Abenaki, you hand over 20 bucks, you got skiing for the day. That's tremendous value. Well, that's that right there, that community is what it will keep the ski industry alive because your average family can't afford 150, 200 bucks 
for a lift ticket, even though there are Epic passes, Icon passes, Indy passes. The other thing is that it's going to grow the next generation of general managers and stuff that fall in love with this whole situation. That's a great point. And I was just at an event where Dan and John Egan, their home hill where they learned to ski was this little place called Blue Hills. Mm -hmm. I was just there for a plaque raising at Blue Hills for them. And that's exactly what Dan said. These small areas that can change lives. It's totally true. My my aforementioned 12-year-old, he has taken lessons in Park City, Sunday River, Stowe, you name it. The best lessons he had and the most improvement he made on the snow were in a three-week course he took at Blue Hills. He went from a kid that couldn't stand up on skis to three weeks later making some pretty good turns at the age of what was four then. And I will never forget that, how good that experience was. And I think that experience is so necessary for people to, for the sports to survive and for people to keep enjoying it. You look at traveling to, let's take Mount Washington Valley, for instance. You've got your Adatash, you've got your Wildcat. You also have places like King Pine that are nice community ski hills that are open to the public and that are trying to grow the sport in their own way. Places like Abenaki and Wilback are these special, small, like backyard places that, that if you live in that community, it's like going to the gym, which is great. That's exactly it. We've... I've talked numerous times about getting rid of the gym membership for the winter Sure, and go to your local area and use that, whether it be Neshoba, whether it be Bradford, whether it be Abernathy, they're all phenomenal. But you talked about lost ski areas. It hurts me as I see them close and everything become homogenized. We all have driven by Mount Whittier mm -hmm. up Route 16. I was just going to bring that up. Or heading towards Mount Snow, passing Hogback or... Heading to Jiminy Peak, Brody, which was, that used to be one of the coolest spots, especially on St. Patty's Day. Yep. Whittier is a place that, you know, it. you've driven that, that route so much that you remember in the 80s when it was just having closed and there was the lift lines were still there. And it looked like a, a ski area that could open at any moment. And then slowly... The trails start growing in and in, and the signage goes away. And now here we are, how many more decades later? Whittier's not even recognizable anymore. And that was such a, a, an icon of the road of Route 16. And it doesn't hurt me because I never skied there, but you hate to see that happen to any sort of community. Like watching a drive-in movie theater grow over and die slowly, and you, God, you hate to see that happen to a ski area where community is formed at such a deep level here. Well, I think when it comes to community, the one, the community that I remember that was the largest was King Ridge. The community built around that. I know people, the Demoulises, who used to be of Market Basket Frame, who sure. used to be customers of mine, they were all huge members up at King Ridge. And every time I drive up 89, I look to the left and go, boy, that used to be the spot for families at one point and we lost that now it's houses but guess what we still have spots for families and one's on route 89 called whaleback one's up in wolfboro called abernacky one is called whaleback and one is called abernacky and we have a couple people joining us from there we'll have john hunt who's the executive director at whaleback and christine collins director 
of Wolfboro, New Hampshire, Parks and Recreation, which has a lot to do with how Abenaki is run. So we'll have those coming up right after this. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast will return after this. Get ready to winter like you mean it. Make tracks to Stratton for a big mountain experience with corduroy cruisers, tree-lined trails, new terrain parks, miles of glades, all with snow so great it's guaranteed. Book your lodging at the heart of the resort and discover everything you love about winter is right outside your door. Like snow tubing, snowmobile tours, snowshoe treks, cross-country skiing. Then there's Stratton Village for shopping, dining, après, and late nights. Stratton.com to save on lifting and lodging packages. Great Glen Trails Outdoor Center is your one-stop adventure destination this winter. No lift lines, just great grooming and magical vistas. Classic snow tubing hill with hot cocoa and s'mores on the weekends. Try a guided snow coach tour. Grab your reservation to Treeline on Mount Washington. Private and group lessons for skiers of all ages and all abilities. Evening snowshoe tours and so much more. Check the website for booking options and details as well. GreatGlenTrails.com. Welcome back to the Basecamp Podcast. Joining us now on the Zoom chat line here in the studio is John Hunt. Executive Director of Whaleback Mountain, and Christine Collins, the Director of Wolfboro Parks and Recreation. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Fantastic. We're absolutely stoked to be talking about skiing and community, how it all comes together. Christine, why don't you give us a little background on what Abernathy is and what you're doing up there? Sure. Well, Abenaki was established in 1936 by the Abenaki Outing Club. And then in 1940, they installed a rope tow and they enlarged the hill. It, it was popular back then. And then eventually the town took it over in, I believe it was, goodness, I think it was like the 60s we took it over. And it's what's considered one of the 10 oldest ski areas in the country overall. We were in Powder Magazine, I think in 2015 which was pretty exciting for us. I've been here for about 15 years and just seeing the growth of it has been amazing. It was pretty sporadically opened in the 90s. And then in 2005, we had a group of residents and they formed the Friends of Abenaki and they revamped the ski area. They We have our own snowmaking now. We have lights on the hill. In 2015, we rebuilt the whole, we are a rope tow. So that's pretty unique when people come, they're not used to seeing that, but It has been really amazing to watch children go through the system and then come back with their children and then the grandchildren coming in. So it's been pretty exciting to see the growth of people coming in and saying, we remember when it was just a shack over in the corner and now it's this nice lodge. So that's exciting. We probably couldn't have done it without the Friends of Abenaki. So we're super grateful for them. They're constantly helping us raise money and add different elements and things to our ski area. That's awesome. And John, I think that Whaleback is probably the most known ski area in New England that maybe no one's been to because it's right there by the highway, pass it on the way to Vermont. And I, I wonder that there's been such a rich history at Whaleback and such a rocky history as well. Can you take us through some of the things that have happened there recently and what Whaleback is now? Yeah, it's funny. The amount of times a week I hear someone say, wow, I've driven by here a thousand times and have never stopped. Yeah. Um, 
it's really funny. It's actually become a running joke in our office. But we were actually founded in 1955 as, as Snowcrest and operated as Snowcrest Mountain for about 10 years. And then in 68, a local family purchased the mountain and renamed it Whaleback Mountain. And then since then, it, as you said, some rocky running a for-profit ski area is really difficult, even for really big areas. And I think we changed through a few different leadership models over the years. And in 2012, the mountain went, the owners at the time went bankrupt. And a group of local community members got together and said, this mountain has to be open for the community, for the kids, for the families. So the community got together and they created the Upper Valley Snow Sports Foundation. And since 2013 now, this is the 10-year anniversary. Sorry, this walkie-talkie is going crazy. The, uh, it adds just the actual natural flavor to the podcast, you say? Exactly. So for 10 years now, we've been operating as a 501c3 nonprofit. Profit. The Upper Valley Snow Sports Foundation exists just to sustain Wellback Mountain. I have a board of 13 members that I report to. I was hired in the summer of 2021 as the executive director. And I think the board recognized you could go a couple different models. Do you bring in a normal GM who has a ski industry background? Do you bring in just a fundraiser or do you find that blend? And I think somehow I fit somewhere in the middle. So I oversee all operations, but I also work with the board on what are what do we need and how do we get there? I and mean, what's our strategy moving forward? And I think we, we have a really exciting future. I think we're kind of that moment where folks want to get back to the heart of skiing and what the soul of skiing is about. And it is these community mountains that offer great terrain, but also have the ability to connect with the people that work here. Go from parking lot attendant to lift attendant to burger flipper to fundraiser all in a span of 20 minutes some days. And I, I think that's really important for our guests to see me out with everyone, our staff too. And it, so I think we're at this moment where our our guests are really excited and we're gaining new guests every day. So I, yeah, I think the future is really bright. It's really interesting because a lot of skiers in New England don't understand that there are community hills all over the place, whether it be the Linden Outing Club, the Abernackies, the Sport Trails of Scutney, or Wellback. Christine, how does this Wolfboro as an entity, as a town in New Hampshire, how do they support you beyond the Friends of Abernacki? The Friends of Abernacki. Yeah, so. We are a town-run facility, so that's nice. We have the friend support, so that's a little bit extra. One of the things about skiing at Abenaki, it's $10 for residents, $20 for non-residents, so that's pretty cheap price. Plus, we have ski rentals. We collaborated with Ski Works, and we offer Ski Works for $20 rentals as well. I think the community loves this ski area. It's in their backyard. It really is something that, like I said, families are coming from generations to generations, and it's appreciated by all. I would say a lot of people are excited to see the growth of Abenaki. We just added lights on one of our other trails and we just upgraded our snowmaking system to make it a little bit more easier for our snow groomers and our snowmakers. So they welcome it because Wolfboro is considered the oldest summer resort and we really wanted to bring people to enjoy winter here too. We have, he is located where we have a lot of cross country scale trails as well. And then we just finished an ice skating rink right near Abenaki. So it's ice skating, cross country skiing and skiing all in one location. So it's pretty nice. So as a non-resident of Wolfboro, I could get an adult season pass at Abenaki for $150. That's bananas. Yes. <laughs> 
That's bananas. That's fantastic. It's, um, it's just yeah. the affordability factor is, I think, such a huge thing in the sport. And it's such an important thing in the sport right now because we've got to mm-hmm. start to groom these youngsters to ski. And frankly, it's not affordable. It's not easy for, I have three kids and it's like, it blows my mind what we pay to ski all the time. But John, going back to Whaleback, you guys had a, a pretty successful fundraiser last summer in order to improve the mountains night lighting, correct? Yeah, part of phase one of our capital campaign that we silently launched in April, one piece of it was upgrading our lighting system, fixing some of the dark spots. The next step will be lighting another green circle from the top. And we did a mini campaign within our larger capital campaign. And we were able to raise $15,000 in um, in the month of August. And that went to purchasing new wire, a few new lights, put them in some new spots, be able to integrate that into our current system. And then the next step will be next summer, we'll be lighting, like I said, another green circle from the top. But it's all part of the larger campaign that the other piece was enhancing our on snow experience and also purchasing another surface lift to go up our race training and our terrain park spaces mm-hmm. so we can open earlier in the season. We thought it would take three years. We actually just closed that portion of the capital campaign last month. So we've been able to, we've secured a new groomer. We've continued to upgrade our snowmaking with pipe work and different electrical work, but we also are in the process of purchasing a new rope toe with a platter and a handle that'll go right up our race training space so that we can open earlier in the season for training. It'll be able to access three different trails. So giving that lower mountain experience earlier in the season, as we are closing the gap to have top to bottom snowmaking. You know, I want, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Nope. Go no, ahead. I wonder for both of you that between the Upper Valley Snow Sports Foundation and the Friends of Abenaki, do they ever have like dreams that are too big for you? Do you have to control things a little bit? Is anyone suggesting you're putting a gondola at Whaleback? People have recommended <laughs> it, I, and I'm shocked when they say it. No, our board has been really strategic, and I'm fully involved in that strategy process and the vision process. We recognize we do need to replace our chair. It's a 60-year-old double chair that breaks more often than like to think, and we have to continue to maintain it. I think what we did was we've made a conscious decision to invest in maintaining it for the next few years, take care of some of these other projects first so we can be sustainable, and then work on the fundraising to replace the chairlift. Yeah. I had the pleasure, John, of being there just a little while ago, as you well know. It was, it blew me away how good the skiing was there. After driving by Whaleback, Oh my God, I don't even know how many times through my career in New England, but it's the real deal. It's incredible. Christine, I have not been to Abernathy, which I feel remorse with, but that's going to be on the radar screen. I'm in the Lakes region enough. There's no reason why I can't stop by for a few laps. Yes, definitely come over. Affordability affordability is so huge. In both, both the counties you guys are in, what has been the message out there for the affordability of these areas to the county residents? What is your message to them? I mean, for us, we do have groups that want to see us grow and be like the next Cannon or Loon. But I really like the aspect of having it be affordable. You can get a $4 cheeseburger. Like our food is affordable and the skiing is affordable. When COVID hit, Gunstock was taking a lot of reservations and people didn't realize that and couldn't get in. And they got rerouted to Abenaki. And sometimes I feel like when you come to Abenaki, 
it's like a time warp because it's almost like a little house on the prairie. Like everyone knows your name and it's like they're teaching you how to ski and everyone's so helpful. And some people's experience, they were like, oh my gosh, we never would have found this place and we're coming back. This was amazing. And it was people who were really just starting to learn skiing and just wanted to get out with their family who had never tried it before. And that's what our hills are about. It's more like that family. We often say at Abenaki, some people drop their kids off when they're five and pick them up when they're 17, because basically they're just dropping them off to ski and then they come back when they've learned. So that's the beauty of it, I think. And that's what, when I do go to work there, it's a good feeling of just watching these kids grow up here. And then sometimes I get, I feel a little old because then they come back and they're working for me, which is crazy, but it's nice just to have that in your community and know that. People appreciate it. John, what about the Whaleback community? What sort of people have you brought together there? What what does the mountain mean to them? Yeah, Christine, really well said. I think you covered a lot of what I feel about Whaleback too. And Mike will have to meet. That's exactly why I didn't ask you the same question because she was so good that you, I I just, not to overshadow you, John, but I just knew (laughs) that you couldn't top that. So I think one of the things we struggle with is trying to be everything to everyone. We've got, we have five different training programs. So four Alpine race training programs that are here multiple times during the week. We have the Whaleback Mountain Club, which is a freestyle training club that trains here every day. We have college races that want to come. We have after school programs where we have, if you can hear all the children outside my door right now, we have close to 500 children coming every day after school. So we are, we're trying to be everything to everyone. And then our season pass holders, because I think one of the things you don't know, which I think Mike experienced last Thursday is it's a great family mountain. It's a great place to learn. You end up at the same spot, but if you're an experienced skier, there's also some really gnarly trails and we've got steeps that I would put up against any other place in New England when we have the right conditions. So I think you've got that, you got a little bit of everything. So I think the part that we're trying to message to our community is we want to be here for you. We want to be at our core. It's affordability and accessibility. We're keeping our season passes at a price point that is affordable for a family. We also offer scholarships and financial aid to families who maybe can't swing the whole package, but we want them to find a way to fall in love with snow sports. Over the last three years, we've granted 100% of our scholarship applications, and we wanna continue building that. This year, we've granted 62 financial aid scholarships to different families in the community. So I think it's, and that's a piece that I'm really proud of. I think if we can break down the barriers for people to find a way to enter the sports is really cool. So I think I just rambled a whole lot to answer your question, but I think the biggest piece for me is we're trying to find the way to stay affordable, be sustained, but also do a lot of things for a lot of different people. There was recently a, I think it was Outside Magazine, did an article about taking a family of four skiing and they equated it to a month's worth of rent, which is, I think, a little bit of hyperbole on their part, but not too far off. And then there's the places like you, Abenaki and Whaleback and small community feeder hills like this that are so important. It's easy to become disenchanted with the ski world right now based on multi-corporations taking over and the cost and the prohibitiveness of it. But how do places like you make sure that you get that message out to your communities in general that this is where you skiing is born. This is where if you have children, bring them here. It's easy to say, hey, I took my kids to stove for the weekend. But if you're a family of four and you get two youngsters back in Abenaki, seem like the ideal place to go. I think for us, we have the Outing Club, which is a ski, the ski freestyle and racing team. 
and they've hosted some events here that has opened the world for people to come over and see our area. Plus, we try to do, we have our winter carnival coming up during February vacation week. We try to really market that to families and have different type of events over there. So I think just trying to get the word out. We do have a regional school district in our town, so that kind of helps get the word out so a lot of people are aware of that. And then just people being rerouted when they can't get to those bigger hills. It is funny. Sometimes people call up, they're like, okay, we want to stay at your resort. And I'm like, oh, you might just want to look because we're not like a typical resort. We don't have a hotel on the premise and all that. (laughs) But I think everyone who comes enjoys the experience and it's not what they expected. So it's cool. Sometimes we do have to, because having a rope toe, they come with their $200 gloves and we do have mittens that we sell and liners and stuff just because they cannot ruin those. That's so excellent. that's different for them. Yeah. The rope toes, we all grew up with them at one point or another. Yeah. Do you, do you, I thought about it knowing you were coming on today. Do you guys sell those little over gloves? Do they still make those? The little sleeves that go over your yeah, regular glove? Gosh, what are they? I forget the name of them, but we have a bunch of them. We actually don't sell that many people. We also buy like leather mittens and gloves. So they usually buy those, but we do have the ones that go over if you wanted to purchase those as well. So we try to keep those on hand just because we know some people are not prepared for that experience. Toe ropes, lift operators, and operations crews are keeping Kinko's in business. (laughs) (laughs) Christine, you mentioned the carnival next week. Can you go a little bit more in depth on that? Yep. So we have our winter carnival. Oh, you know what? Scratch uh, that. I can't. We got to, because we won't be doing this. Yeah. This won't hit. Tell it, tell us how the winter carnival went. How's that? Could you tell us how the winter carnival went? Sure. It was amazing. We had such a good time. We offer, we typically do a little air, big air competition with, on our freestyle area. And then we also have ski races. So the ski team helps us do ski races, but they're more recreational races, ages six through like adult, like 99, if you wanted to be in the ski race. So it's great because people have that opportunity to try it. If they haven't tried it before, we have, it's not that competitive, but we do time it and all that. So I think it's a good experience because this, the ice rink is nearby. We have a learn to curl program so people can try that out. We're doing snowshoe rentals, this snowshoe rentals available. And then we have miniature horses for petting. So we're trying to just add different things to the ski area every year to try to bring different people that might not necessarily come for skiing, but they're coming for something else and be like, oh, there's a ski mountain here as well. So that's how we're trying to grab them. That's awesome. A, a curling. It's almost like being at Lake Placid. Yeah. I'm <laughs> Olympic venues. Hey, John, what is the big event coming up that people should be putting on their radar screen? We host something almost every night. I think we're trying to, at least right now, our current management team, we're trying to throw as much at the wall to see what sticks. And then we'll reevaluate in a couple of years and see what didn't stick. But right now we host everything from our Thursday night race league, which is a an adult, like a beer league. I am a defending champion of last year's league. So I have to defend my title tonight. The, um, the new Bodie. What's that? The new Bodie. Yeah, I'm slower than anyone. Um, But yeah, so we have Thursday Night Race League. This coming weekend, we're hosting Whale Jam, which will be a really big freestyle event. Everything from moguls to big air to slope style. We'll also be hosting the New England Championships, the Tri-State Championships in March of freestyle. It's a little bit of everything. I think we're just hoping that the weather cooperates and we can extend the season into March right now. Whaleback is an allied member of the IndyPass, correct? 
Correct. Yeah. What has that relationship been like? I think it's been good. We're a founding member of the Allied program. When speaking with Indy this past summer, at the time they weren't looking to add more New England resorts or ski areas. We wanted to find a way to connect in some way. And Doug Fish had this really cool idea of creating the Allied program where he wanted to get a couple of smaller areas involved to get them in the door. I think where it helps is on the marketing side. They have a much bigger Rolodex than I do to be able to market us out to a larger population. And we've seen some pretty good returns from it. We're seeing folks come that maybe we're driving by to head to Jay or somewhere and stopped here for a Friday on the way. And that's one of the things we're excited about. But another big event that we're doing, I don't know if the timing for this release will be there, but we are opening the mountain to anyone with any ski area season pass in the world to ski on Friday, February 17th at Whaleback for free. Wow. Uh, that is awesome. Again, tr tr trying to connect with the people that have driven by a thousand times and not stopped and have a pass to somewhere else. And it happens to be the Friday before vacation week. So maybe your vacation starts a little bit earlier. You come get a couple turns and a pint and a Whaleback Mountain Ale in our pub, and then you head on for the rest of your trip. So we're trying to do a lot of different things. That's tremendous. That's fantastic. The day I was there, John, there was a Boy, there were kids everywhere, and then you were doing something with Dartmouth-Hitchcock. What was going on that day? Yeah, we partnered with Dartmouth Health Organization. They sponsored a night under the lights for the community. So anyone who worked anywhere in the Dartmouth-Hitchcock organization, so not just Dartmouth-Hitchcock Hospital, but Peck Day or their hospitals down in Nashua, they've grown quite a bit. They've been in New Hampshire for a while. So we invited all of their folks to ski for a discounted pass and dinner, and we had a DJ and we saw just over 400 members of that community come ski here. And I'd say 90% it was their first time here, even though they live right up the road. Wow. That's what community is all about and why Abernathy and Whaleback are so important. I want to get some inside information here. Christine, I'm going to start with you. What is something unexpected that someone will find at Abenaki? I don't know if it's unexpected, but most of, because we do have a small staff, most staff will remember your name and people will be surprised that they'll be like, oh, you remembered me. So I think that's pretty unique about the, and I also think like you can send your kid for $10 and they're eating for enough for two. It's just the prices are very affordable for what we're selling there. Fantastic. Anyway. John, what about at Wellback? Again, I'm following someone who answers questions perfectly. Christine, well said. But I think the biggest surprise that I hear from someone who's never been here before is, wow, your terrain is pretty awesome. I think people don't realize how big this little mountain really is and how big it skis. You might not be on the trail for 10 or 15 minutes, but you'll get that same experience that you had at a big ski area in the steeps that we offer. Agreed. I'm sorry, go ahead. Nope, go no, ahead. No, okay. You're in. Christine, what is the uh, the must-not-miss event at Abenaki? And we already did the carnival, so... We're... I would say we just actually had a meeting last night, and March 25th from 11 to 3, we're offering... Abenaki Outing Club actually requested an event to offer free skiing at Abenaki. So that's March 25th from 11 to 3. And how, so how do people find out about... event not to miss. I'm sorry, how do people find out more about that? We just approved it last night, so we'll be posting it and putting it on our website awesome. and sharing that information. Right. And what about over at Whaleback? Must not miss event. Yeah, the must not miss event. I actually am going to go away from ski season a little bit and say that our must not miss event, if you want to learn what Whaleback is about and be 
and see how excited this community is our fall flannel fest. We encourage people to come to the mountain and get rad in their plaid. It is our biggest fundraiser. It's a gala, but we're not really gala types. It's a cocktail party with a band and a silent auction. And we get up and we talk about kind of everything new coming in the next season and what the future of the mountain is going to be. But it's a really cool event where I thought maybe we'd get 50 people the first year and raise a couple thousand dollars. We had over 100 in year one and we raised over 10,000. And year two, we had over 100 and raised over 25. So it it really checks a lot of boxes for us. It gets people jazzed up. We do it in October. It gets people jazzed up about the season. It gets people to hear. We use it as our annual meeting to let folks know how well we did the past year and how well we were hoping to do in the next year, but also to, to connect with our community on a much closer level at a cocktail party. Excellent. And then for both of you, in three words, John, we'll start with you. How would you describe the vibe at Wellback? It's often been described, shoot, you said three words. I'm just going to say it, it's a, it, it's almost like a cult. There, there is a true love of this place that, that I can't, I obviously I can't put it into words. Beautiful. And Christine, how would you describe the vibe at Abenaki? I would say homey. It just feels like you're hanging out with friends and you're at home when you come. It's like everyone knows your name and they're like, hey, we missed you. So that both answers in their own way are just fantastic because this whole podcast was designed around community. And I think Abernathy, Wellback have really embraced it in an incredible way. And you guys are both so important to the growth of this industry. Superbly, <clears throat> superbly important. John Hunt, executive director at Wellback Mountain. Christine Collins, the director of Wolfboro Parks and Recreation in New Hampshire. Thank you both for joining us. This was excellent. I hope that more families and people just looking to get into the sport and that are scared off by the high cost of lift tickets or the exorbitant cost to park or the traffic or the look into places like these community ski hills because it's so important for the future of the sport. And look, it's going to get you into loving it a little bit more if you don't feel like you're spending an arm and a leg just to begin to ski. So thank you both so very much for all that you do. Thank you. Thank you. I love telling our story. This was a lot of fun, and I hope more people come out to ski it to believe it. Thanks for joining us, both of you. Let's pray for a little snow and a little weather so that we can keep winter going a little bit longer. Agreed. <laughs> Always. Thank you, John Hunt, Christine Collins. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast will return after this. Eagle Crest isn't your average community ski area. We're on an island in Alaska. We have panoramic ocean views, a 1,600-foot vertical drop, big mountain terrain, incredible backcountry access, less crowds, more snow, and some pretty historic streaks. It's now 50 consecutive days with snowfall. You can't drive here. You have to fly or ferry, which means shorter lines and untracked powder. We have great community. We're affordable. We have an amazing learning center. But it's not just the skiing and riding. Juno has a lot to offer. And we're right here waiting. 
If you want to be inspired and informed on everything about the New England ski and outdoor scene, then you need to check out SkiJournal.com. SkiJournal.com delivers daily content on breaking industry news, tips, gear, dining, travel, entertainment, as well as all archived episodes of the Emmy-nominated New England Ski Journal TV show and the Base Camp podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to New England Ski Journal, the longest-running regional ski magazine in the country. New England Ski Journal's award-winning writers and photographers bring all four seasons to your door with best-in-class coverage on skiing and the outdoors. Log on to SkiJournal.com and click on the subscribe button to get New England Ski Journal mailed to you today. New England Ski Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. And now, back to the Base Camp Podcast. Eric, community ski areas, small ski areas, I've spoken about it a million times, how dear they are to me as a person, as a skier. I love the Jackson Holes of the world. I love skiing there. But that's not the spot where we're going to keep skiing sustainable. It's going to happen at Abernackies, at Whalebacks. At Whalebacks. Aber- Cochran's. Cochran's is another one that I think... I my first visit to Cochrane Ski Area in Northern Vermont. Obviously, the Cochrane's name is synonymous with New England skiing. The entire thing was. I went there on a media trip, and we sat down with Barbara Ann at a table, and she talked about the Olympics. And she was the coach to Michaela while at Burke, help, helping her with her mental exercises. And you're sitting there, and you're just looking at all this history around you, the bibs from the Olympics and whatnot. But what really caught my attention was the menu of the cafeteria that day. And I remember I took a picture and I just found it. I want to play a little guessing game with you. Now, mind you, this is eight years ago. So inflation has probably gone crazy. How much do you think a grilled cheese at Cochrane Ski Area went? Probably four bucks. $4, nailed it. How about a hot dog? Hot dog, probably three. Yep, you got it. Hard boiled egg. I didn't know these answers, folks. I'm <laughs> guessing. Hard, it's amazing. Hard, hard boiled egg by today's dollars 15. Yeah, right, back, exactly. Back then, a hard boiled egg, probably a buck. One dollar. You are too good for this. Let's go a little more challenging then. Uh, how much would a go gurt be? Two fifty. One dollar. Well, maybe now it is two fifty. And most importantly, gluten free. Bloom, gluten-free beers or gluten-free bars. I don't know. One of those. Well, how much, I, how much I, you need I, the one? Beer? I would say it's a bar, not a beer at Cochran's, <laughs> but I'm not positive. Gluten-free bar, probably $2. $3. So it was a, and you probably went low thinking that, you know, and back then in 2015, lift tickets were $20 adults, $14 students. That's similar to what you find at Abenaki, really. It is tremendous when you go there, not to just, I get to say, I get to say I skied with Barbara Ann Cochran which is pretty darn cool. But even beyond that, just being in this sort of environment and seeing the hubbub, right? Like being there on a Friday afternoon and seeing the hubbub of all these kids getting their after-school runs in, it makes you, what's the word, pleased, happy, excited, satisfied with the way that skiing is brought to the youth of America. Well, or at least Vermont. I was at Wellback. I pulled in. I, John didn't know I was coming. I went up and up to his office. He was eating a couple chicken fingers because he had to go out and get to work. (laughs) And we talked for a little bit, and I asked where all the people were from. There were kids everywhere, and they weren't in their ski wear or designer skis. They were just there. Mm. At the same time, there were racers decked out in their Lekka 
shin guards, race gear, training at the same time. And it just brought it all together. Did you ever grow up in any of these types of hills? Yeah, I grew up in Sonnet, Massachusetts, and the closest ski area we had was Blue Hills. But I never experienced the local ski areas like I would have if I lived in New Hampshire, Vermont. It's just, it's just that much more accessible, right? And I think when you look at Massachusetts and the number of ski areas we've lost and the community ski, year, ski areas we've lost here, I'm probably in, this, in a similar boat just because... Look, even when we used to get snow here, <laughs> which seemed like it was many years ago, they were always going to get more snow in, in, in Vermont, New Hampshire, and it wasn't that far away that I would not consider that my backyard anyway. No, because I just didn't really have the sort of, we, we formed a ski team. God, I was a senior in high school for the first year we had a ski team, and it was, we trained every day at Wachusett. And now I'd spent all football season at school until six o'clock. And now I'm going to travel an hour and a half to, it just didn't make a lot of sense. I feel a little bit cursed in that. And I feel bad for my kids that they're cursed, that we're living in South Coast, Massachusetts, where, you know, it's not like being able to go to the gym, like saying, okay, I'll see you later. I'm going to go get a few runs in. You can do it to some degree at like Blue Hills or Neshoba, but nothing to the degree of the community that is at these places. So I'm going to diverge here just for a second. We're talking about the south coast of Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Just a couple of years ago, I think it was two years ago, all I could see, Dean Dekas was posting some pictures of him, of him shredding the dunes up above the canal. Yeah. And even when we had some of these big storms and you see people skiing down Beacon Hill in Boston, it's a great sight, right? It's like, if something like that existed here where it was consistent, I would have probably grown up a little bit more appreciative of that. It's just that that when you realize how important these places are, like, like we said, it's like going to the gym. I think that's a perfect analogy for it. But it's also if you went to the gym and you had a community of people all doing the same thing they loved and were sort of working at it together to make sure that this place appreciated it and that you appreciated this place. That's the definition of community and to have it at these ski areas and to let them live and to be these beacons of places where you can bring a family and you can spend as much as you would at a movie theater, right? If not less. Well, you can't say that about many other ski areas in New England. Well, I grew up in western New York near the Niagara Escarpment. Niagara Falls, if anybody doesn't know, keeps moving, but the original escarpment is still there, up upriver from it, or downriver, I should say. And we had, when I was a teenager and in college, we had this spot called Bonds Hill. It was a county-owned park with, and they put a T-bar. There was a lodge up top. And I started skiing. Bonds Hill and became a ski instructor there because that's what you do when you're at these little community county run locations. And it was where I spent my time. I was there almost every day doing laps. There's a toboggan shoot and stuff like that, like most of these small areas have something of that nature, tubing these days. But that formulated me. It took me to college, allowed me to get run it the college ski area. And then it took me to ski Denton at Cowdersport, Pennsylvania, where I was their original general manager as a senior in college. Those community areas, those small areas that don't have high-speed quads, that don't have 2,000, 1,000 vertical feet, they're smaller, 600, 700 and down, 
that's the future if we want to continue to grow this sport. It's amazing. And Jeremy Davis, who runs New England Law Ski Area Project, it's like going down a rabbit hole there sometimes, just looking at the places that existed. Dozens and dozens and dozens of ski areas I've just either heard of, mentioned in the past, or just never heard of at all. Sergeant Camp Toe and Stearns Hill, Temple Mountain, Twin Toes. And then they've got the, the mountains that have fought their way back in Abenaki and Whaleback are both among them. And I Look, I think part of what Jeremy does with this page is that he's encouraging us not to forget the ski areas that we've lost, but he's also encouraging us to, you know, appreciate the ones we still have and the ones like Abenaki and Wellback that have built these special communities that you can find in pockets of New England all over the place. If you are able to join one, like on a, if you live in one of these towns and you're able to join that community, God bless you. If you're able to communicate to that community, God bless you. You're still welcome. The point is that these are more skiing communities and having fun rather than, you know, the spa is the next appointment after I get my two runs in. Well, these are the ski areas that will take the next Michaela Schifrin or Lindsay Vaughn or Pam Fletcher. Look at Neshoba, Pam mm, Fletcher sure. or Lindsay Vaughn out of Buck Hill. These 200-foot vertical hills are what will give us the next great skier and keep the next generation skiing. All right. That's all I got. Mike, anything else? No, I think that's it. I challenge everybody to take a break one day and ski someplace they haven't skied that they normally wouldn't and actually feel the total soul of skiing through these small areas. Awesome. Mike, thank you very much. Thanks, Eric. Until next time, let's hopefully... The weather behaves, and we can have some great spring skiing. Oh, we'll cross our fingers, and there's got to be a storm on the way soon. I can feel it. That's it for us in the Basecamp Podcast. I'm New England Ski Journal editor Eric Wilbur, and we'll see you on the next show. Bye. New England Ski Journal's Basecamp is a Siemens Media Podcast. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful. 